Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers, over two decades each, talking publicly about your Minnesota Vikings. We are here today in your bye week to talk some Vikings. But first, we want to thank you for coming. I know you're watching college football or doing something nice out on the lake one last time, fishing, hiking, camping, doing whatever, because it is the bye week. But you're here listening to us, and we appreciate that. Today, we have three themes as usual. First one we're going to start, start out with is you are what your record says you are. But are you? That's a good <laughs> question. Secondly, we're going to get into what kind of offense is the Minnesota Vikings, right? We all expected this high-flying pass, happy, just go-down-the-field type of scheme. But are we that? That's a good question. We'll get into that as well. Then we're going to hit up with the bi-week quick hitters. Why? Because we got a few of them, and they are outstanding so far, and we'll get into that. With that, this is Two Old Bloggers. Let's get it started. Climb in the pocket. Bailey Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Darren, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, but I love that roll-in thing, Dave, so <laughs> it's disappointing that we didn't have that to get things rocking and rolling, I know get the people pumped up. Just, ah, oh, damn. The heavy beats, oh, well. yes. Uh, hello, Andrew. Hello, Jarrell. How are you guys doing this week? Don't have <laughs> to worry pulling any teeth. That is correct. Tomorrow, Sunday, we can watch football. We can go out shopping. We can go to the restaurant. We can drink more and more alcohol like we tend to do. But we're not going to have heart attacks or pulling teeth on a Sunday. Because your Minnesota Vikings have the bye week. Yes. Can't lose this week, David. Stress-free uh, football watching Sunday and Monday for Viking fans. Uh, this is always one of my favorite weeks of the football season, unless the Vikings are doing shitty, and then I'm just grinding my teeth because they lost the last game going into the bye, and I'm pissed off about that. But that did not happen last week, <laughs> and so I'm as happy as a clam right now. Yep, and let's get this started. We titled the show Vikings Direction, question mark. What direction are they moving in? Obviously, they're 5-1, and one, which is better than last year. So, it's a good question. What are they moving in? Our first theme of the day. Oh, that one works, David. It's going to be... You wanted to talk about, not Bill Parcells yet, but this young man, Aaron Schatz. <laughs> what were you going to call him, David? Were you going to call him this shit? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it comes anyway. close, just one letter. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, uh, for, uh, I don't know, for our viewers out there, um, if you, most of them are diehard football fans. I'm sure they know about the Football Outsider site uh, and uh, and its analytics uh, take on things. And this week, Aaron Schatz had um, 
had to come out with in his weekly DVOA uh, write up. Uh, you know, he pointed out that uh, according to the the Football Outsiders analytic, you know, its stats and their site, uh, they took a look at um, the Vikings and the Giants and determined that the through all that the Vikings are one of the worst five and one teams in DVOA history. Uh, so <laughs> they, 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 they looked at brand the numbers were one of the worst us and the giants right now are both five and one. We both yeah, but we're better than the giants, better than the giants overall. Uh, the Aaron's uh, Aaron's, uh, the football outsiders DVOA can, has us ranked 17th, which is very mediocre. Uh, they don't consider us a very good football team, despite the five and one record. And I think um, they have, you know, there's, but again, uh, that's DVOA. That's the analytics look at things. But as Bill that's Parcells, their algorithm, how that's they measure their algorithm, things, how they measure things. Uh, and, but when you look at, as Bill Parcells once said, and, and that famous saying, "You are what your record says you are," and the Vikings' record is five and one. And that is first place in the NFC North with a two-game lead on that team from Wisconsin. It also has them as uh, the second seed right now in the NFC in only one game uh, behind the Eagles, although they would lose the tiebreaker if both teams had the same record because they lost the, the head-to-head, I believe. So, uh, hey, 5-1, uh, and one, DVOA, Football Outsiders thinks we're a mediocre team. Our record says the opposite. I think that there is good um, reason to be uh, to have some skepticism about the Vikings record and the five and one record that they have uh, other than their um, season opening win against that team from Wisconsin, David, I think we could both agree that they haven't really won convincingly uh, any other time. No, but yeah. as, all right, here's the NFC North. We've got a plus 21 differential and differential tends to show you how good the team is roughly. You can see every team in the NFC North is negative. So we're good on that, Mark. And then with, we're obviously quite a bit behind the Eagles, but we're ahead of the 5-1 and one Giants and the Dallas Cowgirls. So it's a good thing. It is a good thing, David, and nobody's going to, like, no Viking fan, well, some do, but I'm, I'm not one of those who's going to complain about a 5-1 and one record. The wins are great, uh, regard, you know, no matter how we get them. Um, I do have uh, some con- concerns, but I think at the, after six games, uh, I think we have enough data right now to kind of look at uh, and to assess kind of what team the Vikings are. Uh, what do they do well? What do they not do well? And and take a look at that because you've got six games of data to look at now. I think that's a large enough sample size to you know, draw some conclusions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, you know, I wanted to look at talk about, you know, what has gone right for the Vikings so far this season. And uh, I think the first thing is, uh, is health. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's been a key so far. Uh, if you look at the 29 Vikings players who uh, play significant roles on the team, whether they be starters or backups. Only two of those players, Harrison Smith and DJ Wanham, have missed a game, and they both and Harrison Smith missed one game because he uh, he was in concussion protocol, and DJ Wanham missed last week because he got an illness. And neither of those injuries are long term things. Mm-hmm. I expect DJ Wanham will be back suiting up next week, uh, but. 
uh, you know, that's, you know, that's tremendous because if, if you as a football team have your starters available to play as many snaps as you want them to play, David, uh, that's got to be an advantage because you're not relying on backups, guys that you don't want to play very much to play larger roles against opponents. I agree a hundred percent. So that's a big advantage. Uh, and it, uh, that health, uh, we'll see if that holds out for the rest of the year. But if you looked every week so far at the Viking injury report compared to their opponents, the Vikings are having only like three or four mm-hmm. guys on the list. Yeah. And then last week, Miami had like 20 guys on. And, and every week, the Vikings injury report looks vastly uh, shorter and smaller than their opponents, which, uh, which means comes that from I, science. Well, it, it, it's looking that way. I mean, you've got the picture of Terrell Williams there, who's the, you know the director of player performance and health for the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell brought him over this year, and uh, how the Vikings' health has sh- shook out so far in the season, I think, l- lends a lot of credence to Kevin O'Connell and Williams's kind of load management approach to the preseason to training camp. Uh, in preseason, the starters pretty much didn't play at all. Uh, the only one who played a lot was Ed Ingram, and he wasn't really even uh, considered a starter at that point. He was fighting for a starting job. Uh, other than that, the starters didn't really play. In training camp, uh, hitting, you know, in high intensity was, was the in high intensity, a lot of hitting. That was uh, not happening. Way down, uh, and way down. practices were way yeah. down, and it was all mapped out by O'Connell and Terrell, Terrell Williams. Tyler and, uh, Williams. Sorry, Tyler Williams. And uh, it looks like it's working uh, very well. So that is, you know, the, that's been a plus. Health has been a plus for the Vikings so far. I think uh, another thing that's hey really there, gone Niner. well for them, Niner, another thing that's really gone well for the Vikings is that uh, they've been a disciplined team that's not taking penalties. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, if you look at right now, you've got it up there, uh, 25 penalties assessed so far. That's the second fewest total in the league. Only the LA Rams have less, and they have 24. Uh, again, fewest yards of penalties assessed, uh, and uh, their opponents have taken <laughs> almost the uh, have taken a lot of penalties mm-hmm. so far. Um, that whole, the Vikings not taking a lot of penalties is a big switch from last year, Mike Zimmer's team, because. They took 111. They had 111 penalties assessed last year in 2021. That was uh, 26th in the, uh, or sorry, that was uh, that you know that was very high. They were like sixth right. or so in the you know I think they were eighth. That was the eighth highest amount of penalties in the in the league last year. Now. Uh, taking a lot of penalties doesn't always mean you're going to be a bad team. The Buffalo Bills last year had 113 that were assessed, and we know that they were a pretty good team last year. Uh, but when you're the Vikings right now, you're playing one-score games. The games are tight. The margin of between you know winning and losing is very small. Uh, I think that the fact that you know the Vikings are not killing them, themselves by taking multiple penalties during the game uh, is helping them get those wins, those close mm-hmm. wins that we've seen. Uh, you can kind of look last week, uh, what was that ridiculous, I think it was the second series the Dolphins had, they took like five penalties in a row <laughs> on, on, on offense, and they went from being like in position to score to they were, by the end of it, they were out of like 
field goal range. Uh, and I think last year, if you look, remember how many times, David, where the offense would be on the, on the field, they get something going, uh, but then there'd be an, uh, like usually like a holding call on the offensive line. Yes. It's first and, first and 20. Holding, right? Yeah. Boom. A lot of times. Marching back 10 yards, right? It could be third and two. Oliudo holding. And then what happens next? Somebody jumps off sides. <laughs> Five more yards, right? And now we're looking at th- from third and two, we just went to third and 18. And what did the Vikings do next? They dump it off to C.J. Ham <laughs> For three yards. Or they did run a, a draw for two. Right. And it was just, yeah. it would drive you absolutely bananas. Even when we don't have that those penalties, so no, they're, they're not have, happening so far. Even when the Vikings, many times I can remember the Vikings would get a penalty, uh, you know, like I said, it would be holding, it'd be first and 20. They never seemed to be able to be able to overcome a first and 20. They had to. They had to stay on schedule, uh, or otherwise it was a three and out. So again, th- this offense uh, has looked like it uh, isn't able to overcome those kind of uh, down and distance situations either so far. So the fa- but the fact that they've been not killing themselves with penalties and getting themselves into into holes by ending up being first and twenty or second and twenty or third and twelve because they got a ten yard holding penalty. It, it, again, it's it helps. Uh, they're. It helps they're not killing themselves. So what also that, helps that discipline is helping. Is these guys. Yes. The what's also gone right for the Vikings has been the schedule they've had, the teams they've played, and when they have played them, David. Uh the the uh, the Viking schedule has been, let's be charitable, not difficult so far. Uh for the, the most part, yes. For the most part, they uh, they've uh, the combined record of the opponents that they've played so far is seventeen and nineteen, and they've also played as which you've got up here a pretty mediocre slate of quarterbacks that they face: Justin Fields, Jared Goff, Skylar Thompson slash Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, uh, and you know they did play Aaron Rodgers and handled him quite well. But when you're playing those kind of quarterbacks, I put him up there. <laughs> <laughs> you're My playing bad, those kind of sorry. <laughs> yeah. When you're playing those kind of quarterbacks, David, and you're playing teams who aren't that great, and you've got some of the frontline talent that the Vikings have, you should be winning four or five of your first six games, I think. And the Vikings have done that. But they have been fortunate, played a backup quarterback a couple of times now, actually played a third stringer last week. Uh, you can imagine what the Vikings' chances of winning a game would be if Kirk Cousins gets knocked out, can't play, and we got to put Nick Mullins in there. Um, nothing against Nick Mullins. I think he'd be solid, but he's not as good as Kirk Cousins. He'd be a downgrade, and mm-hmm. uh, that would hurt the Vikings' offense considerably. So. The quarterbacks we faced, the schedule we have faced has been something that's gone right for the Vikings. And the good news is that really the schedule on paper anyway, David, it doesn't get any tougher. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we've got pretty we've got a pretty good schedule on paper the whole season. Um, and that's a plus. Um, I think one thing also, final thing that I'm I'm gonna discuss that I think the Vikings have gotten right is that situationally They've been pretty strong uh, so far. Uh, Kevin Seifert did a story about this this week on ESPN. He, he did it; it was excellent. Actually, he highlighted all kinds of reasons that the uh, why the Vikings have been five and one, even when by the eye test they don't look like that kind of dominant team. But um, you know, a few things: 
They've scored 59 points the last four minutes of, of the first half. That's tops That's in the NFL. Number one. Number Where were one. we last year? We were 32nd in that. Which is last. Mm. So that you know, that's a huge turnaround from last year. Uh, they've averaged eight point five points scored in the fourth quarter of games this year. That's fifth in the NFL. So they're excelling in scoring points late in the game, which is huge when you've got tight ball games. Um, the, the 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 special teams has played well under first year coordinator Matt Daniels. Uh, they've uh, they're in the top six both in uh, punt uh, return coverage and in kickoff return coverage. Um, and so there's... They're number one in field position, mm-hmm. right? Be it punting or kicking or whichever one. Setting up, they're number one in that this year. There are good things. There sure are. Uh, and I think that... Puppy. Yes, he's and somebody's close by the door. But David, if uh, if this were like happening for one or two games, uh, you maybe you'd consider it was a fluke. But it's six games now, and I think that that suggests that this is not a fluke. Uh, it looks like Kevin O'Connell and his staff are focusing on these things: late game situations, situational football. They focused on them in the off season during training camp, uh, and. Uh, continue, obviously they must be continuing to do it during the season and the Vikings, because of that, the Vikings are doing well in these areas. Uh, and, uh, so I think that that indicates that this isn't a, like, this isn't a fluke, that this is the kind of team that the Vikings are right now and are going to continue to be during the season. And we'll highlight that in the next two sections as well. Andrew, you asked, but should we be blowing them away? No. Um, I'm thinking yes, from what we expected, yes. But we'll get into more of that in the second theme of the day. But first, I don't know if you've noticed, but way up there in the left-hand corner, there's a new logo. It's that badass word, wood, word, wood art. If I could speak, too much whiskey already or not enough. Um, here we have Lewis who came to us wanting to help sponsor the show. He creates, he is a scroll saw artist. Literally, he is. If you want something that is cool looking, right, that you can hang on the wall that's made of wood, he works his scroll saw magic and different stains and different uh, gels that he puts on the wood to make absolutely outstanding pieces. He's got a whole list on his website, and I will throw that up here just now, on his website of celebrities that have loved his uh, his wood art and that have purchased it to have in their own collections. Well, he's here now with Climbing the Pocket, and if you wish to go to his website, that's badasswoodart.com. You can go there and check out what he's got. He's got from simple skull signs to skull Vikings, that bigger one you have there, to Randy Moss doing the moon in Green Bay, which we all absolutely love, to um, the gritty, all sorts of ones. And he can do custom ones, and you can get 20% off 
that purchase, which would be outstanding. I need to get one to put back here somewhere amongst my art. And you know I appreciate art. I do my own. Lewis is the man. So if you want some wood art for that man cave, right? So you don't, you can put it in your living room if you wish. If your wife's cool with that, that's fine. But it is something that you're going to cherish and keep for a long, long time and isn't going to wear. It's made of wood. So he does great jobs and absolutely outstanding stuff. And he has joined the Climb in the Pocket team, and we are glad to have him. Welcome, Lewis. And get your wood Welcome art indeed. at thatsbadasswoodart.com. Now, to the second theme. We are going on from here to talking about or talking about Kevin O'Connell when he was first hired. And what did we expect? What kind of offense has the Vikings become? David, yes, when O'Connell got hired, which seems like a long time ago, uh, not really, but uh, you know, coming over from the Super Bowl uh, winning Los Angeles Rams with the Sean McVay, uh, we assumed Sean McVay influenced offense. Uh, we were looking for, uh, you know, that uh, after eight years of Mike Zimmer uh, mm-hmm. ground and pound wanting to run the ball uh, all the time uh we were really looking forward to kevin o'connell bringing uh, an exciting different kind of offense high flying more more passing uh, more explosive more points more wins for the vikings uh, not so conservative um so again after six games in, in the season with the vikings on the bye i thought it was a good time to kind of assess uh the the, the vikings offense under kevin o'connell now uh what it's looking like, what kind of offense that we have. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, that I, we're going to do that here now. And I think mm-hmm. uh, the, the assumption was that uh, that Kevin O'Connell was going to come over and the Vikings were going to throw more, uh, perhaps a lot more. Uh, they were going to air it out. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, that's turned out to be true, uh, kind of, I think. They're, uh, they've, they're, uh, they've, gone there this year so far through six games they've thrown uh they've passed 64 percent of the time on their offensive plays uh which is uh i was checking on it right now and that is uh sixth that's six most in the nfl right now uh throwing 64 percent of the time last they year throw last year last year they threw 58.5 percent of the time uh on offensive plays which was, uh, I believe, it was uh, you know it was 18th in the NFL. Myth. So, yes. so the Vikings have uh, they, the the Vikings were at the Tennessee Titans last year, or the Philadelphia Eagles, who threw like who ran the ball. It was a pass run was 50 50. Uh, but uh, so Kevin O'Connell has come over, and as expected, the Vikings are throwing the ball more. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Gerald, what's happening? We're, we're talking Vikings here. Um, but He's from uh, New Jersey. Hey, New Gerald. Jersey, yeah. So throwing the ball more, but uh, I think that the surprising thing is some of the other numbers that I was looking at uh, to do with that. And uh, so um, with throwing the ball more, 
Justin Jefferson now has become the focal point of the offense, I think, and not Dalvin Cook. Uh, he's certainly the focal point of the passing offense, but overall, I think the offense, when it's going well, it's because Justin Jefferson is getting involved and he's making catches and we're moving the ball by getting the ball into his hands. Uh, whereas previous years since Dalvin Cook arrived and when he's been healthy, it's been more, it's, it's, it's all about feeding Dalvin with handoffs and screen passes. Um, but uh, surprisingly though, like Justin Jefferson is not getting targeted uh, significantly more this year under Kevin O'Connell than he was last year. This year he's had 63 targets his way and he's got 46 catches. Last year, he had 59 targets thrown his way through six games, and he had 41 catches. So a little bit of an uptick there, but not a huge amount. Um, where Surprisingly, where we're throwing the ball more, a lot more than last year, is to tight ends. Irv Smith, Johnny Munt, and Ben Ellison. We've targeted them, for some reason, 54 times, and, we've had, and it's resulted in 34 catches. Uh, in, uh, or sorry, <laughs> you uh, yeah. said surprisingly. And that, that sort of caught me off guard. Why is it surprising that we're throwing the tight ends? Well, I th- I just well I think the reason uh, is it's a bit surprising, David, is because uh, um, is that we're uh, the tight ends aren't doing very much with the catches that they're making. Like Irv Smith has 18 catches for a measly 140 yards. Johnny Munt's got 11 catches and he's just got over 70 yards on those catches. And then Ben Ellison's got like three catches for like 26 yards and he's on the IR. So we're not going to be seeing him for a while. Uh, so for that, but two or three more weeks maximum, I would think he went on the IR with a groin pull suffered in practice. Yeah, the, the, so we've so we've targeted the Vikings tight ends 20, 20 more targets compared to last year, uh, but not very much production. Uh, on the other hand, the running backs are not getting we're not dumping off to the running backs, checking down to them nearly as much as we did last year. Uh, this year, they've uh, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. They've only been targeted 16 times for 12 catches last year. It was 33 targets, and they had 29 catches. Uh, that's a significant amount of reduction in who we're throwing to. Another well, guy who's not. And as Go we ahead. look at this as to what's different between this year and last year, that's significant because when we came into this year, we figured the running backs would be part of the pass game. Yep. There was a lot of talk about that. Uh, I, you're right, David, especially how Dalvin Cook, how this offense would make him even more of a threat offensively or how the Vikings would use him in the passing game. Well, right now, the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell aren't using him very much at all in the passing game, uh, which is a bit surprising. And um, and we'll see if that changes. But uh, another guy who's not really benefiting from the offense right now is K.J. Osborne. Last year... Through six games, he was a surprise breakout candidate. Uh, it was a good surprise, but he had been he had had uh, he had been targeted thirty five times and he had twenty six catches. This year, he's been targeted twenty six times and he's got nineteen catches. Uh, so th- that's been so significantly down. Dave's cradling his whiskey. Uh, <laughs> Going to have another uh, shot of it, I think. And the other guy, the other guy there in the. Uh, in the pitcher, Adam Thielen, he's starting to show his age a little. Um, he's, he's still getting targeted. Yeah, he's still getting targeted about roughly about the same amount. Um, but 
he's uh, and 21 of his 29 catches have been for first down, so that's good. But he's only averaging 9.8 yards per catch, and his longest catch is for 22 yards so far. And actually, Thielen hasn't caught a ball that's went for more than 35 yards since 2020. So right now, really? Adam Thielen is more, wow. Adam Thielen is more of a possession receiver who moves the chains when you get it to him, but he doesn't beat you deep. So there, more there's like a few a things late, there. Late career Chris Carter. Yes, and maybe, but not quite as productive, although um, Adam A.T. has caught a lot of touchdowns the past two years, so we got to give him that. And he's caught them um, this year, too. Yeah, when they've thrown to him. The, the offense, offensively, <laughs> offensively, David, uh, the, I think if you've any Vikings fan who's watched the game so far probably has noticed that the explosive plays have not really been there uh, they've been there at key times like last week when jj caught that uh, you know huge pass that set up a touchdown run or when uh, dalvin cook finally broke a long run and got a touchdown to you know put the game out of reach but overall the, the team's averaging 23.2 points per game that's 14th in the league right now uh last year they were 14th in the league too and they averaged actually score averaged a couple of points more per game than what they're doing so far this year. But scoring is down overall in the NFL, not just with with the Vikings, which is strange. And it has to be because the defense has gone to the too high, shut down the passing game, which has got to irritate the boys in New York that run the NFL because the whole idea is to have high scoring, exciting games. It is true. They finally got one uh, on Thursday night football after snooze fest the week before. But <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I, there could be various. You know, people are going to have different theories about why the Vikings' offense really hasn't been as explosive as we were hoping and expecting. Maybe, uh, but I think I don't know. Um, could part of that be communication? They're still getting down the communication of the new system, right? Last week we saw. Kirk Cousins throw an air ball to where he thought Justin Jefferson was going to be. Justin Jefferson uh, ran a quick hitch, turned around, and Kirk thought he was going to run to the flat. And there was a miscommunication there. Kirk got a little vocal on the sidelines. Kevin O'Connell, who's pictured here, came over and talked to him and everything was nice and cool. Unlike with Mike Zimmer, who would have ignored him or yelled at him. Um, there's a difference there. But the whole point of not how to react to Kirk, Kirk being upset was the fact that there was a communication type of deal. We still think there's room for improvement, and we've seen it, especially on the offense, as to how they can, well, on both sides of the ball for that matter, but how they communicate and how well they mesh. If that gets better, if they work on that over this bye week, now most of them are on vacation, but you know the coaches are self-scouting. If they work on that and get that better and better and better, as we go on with our schedule especially, the Vikings have a chance. We know they're 5-1 and one now, right? That's the big deal. We are what our record says. We're five and one. We look at the stats and go, uh, yeah, we're five yeah. and one, but the stats are pretty much the same as last year and the year before, right? 
you know, and even the year before, but we're around that 500 middle of the pack type stuff. But what we see this year is we're there, that middle of the pack stats. We've obviously got the wins. Wins, trust me, folks, wins are the most important stat. Um, wins trump all. Yep. But we're still sitting there, but we're seeing that, hey, the issues that we're having look to be communications issues, look to be we're not quite comfortable with the system yet. It's a new system we're learning. Once we get better, we're going to go into, like Andrew said, should we be blowing them out? Yes. I think once all that gets ironed out, I think we're going to see more production on the offensive side, not just in the last, you know, two minutes of the first half, and the last two minutes of the second half, which has been an absolutely outstanding thing. Thank Odin that we have it because last year we didn't. But I think over the whole approach of the game, we will see that and we will not get our butts kicked like we did in the Eagles game early. I think this is this has the opportunity, and I give it the opportunity because we, nobody knows what's going to happen, but I give it the opportunity that this can step up and get better and better and better and better as they get more comfortable, more um, better at communication, more knowing where to go, when to go, how to go, all that stuff. And we'll get into the old line in the third segment just on that same sort of stuff. And it's defense and offensive side. And it's all down to the young man over there, our coach, Kevin O'Connell. I also wonder, David, if uh, for him um, on the play calling side is maybe one of the issues is that he still hasn't uh, he, he didn't call the plays in, in Los Angeles. That's well, well known by everybody. Uh, and maybe he, he I think he, he's an inexperienced play caller by NFL standards. And I think that like anything, uh, maybe he hasn't found his groove yet uh, on calling plays, setting things up. Uh, and I, like anything, uh, the more you do it, uh, the more experience you have in the NFL fire the and dealing with different get. situations, the better you're going to get. So, And uh, knowing I, Kirk and his relationship and yeah. how that can get better over time, we have noticed, I'm going a little off script here, how in our tempo offense, yes. right, they cut the microphone off at 15 seconds, right, on the play clock. Well, you're noticing we're snapping a lot before that. He and we're not huddling and we're going up to the line and there's certain calls by Kirk. But during that time, up to that point, he's in Kirk's ear. So he's helping Kirk with, hey, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. That's going to, that whole ability and the communication there is going to get better and better, which should go to increasing production over the long run. It's a, it's, I think it, he, they did it in L.A. It worked in L.A. Um, and I think, and you're seeing it, it's not as well worked this year. But you're seeing it for us, and I think it's a good thing because I don't think, I don't think we're going to regress. We're going to come off of the bye and regress. We're not going to hit Zimmer getting pissed off at everybody and Right, and we're going to have shit games from now on. I think we're going to stay where we are and get better, and that is a good thing. 
It sure is. Um, Which, and I do like the tempo tempo stuff that the Vikings have been doing. We wondered about that before going into the season, whether mm-hmm. they would speed up things, uh, speed up the and offense and try to go no huddle. And they have, and they've been very effective when they've done it. Uh, they weren't able to get into it at all against Miami because they never got any long drives going. So uh, that was a bit of a bummer, that whole Miami offensive uh, game plan. But uh, we got to move on. We got the W, got to move on and get better. And I do like their new huddle formation where the offensive linemen face forward looking at the defense. Um, Thanks for great pictures. Anyways, now to our favorite part of the show, Lake Monster Brewing. Yes, Andrew, finish well. Yes, yes, yes. Carter, question of the day, would you trade Kirk Cousins in our next two first round for Trevor Lawrence? Well, I think uh, with all those questions is uh, I don't see the Jacksonville trading for Kirk. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's really, I guess, in a, in a blue sky type thing. I uh, I probably, I don't know, I probably would make that trade. Um, wow. Getting a young, young QB, but it, it, the, the cost would be uh, very uh, expensive. Uh-huh. And it would take a lot of Lake Monster beers to make, <laughs> to enjoy it even more. And uh, that's where we're going. Today, this week on tap, they've added SK Coffee Belgian Ale, which sounds absolutely wonderful because I love coffee and I love beer. And whiskey. goblets, no less. And goblets, yes. It looks great. 6.0. Right? Looks good. In the pints, they uh, moved down the Depth Charge Juicy IPA, which is one of their staples. Absolutely outstanding. 6.2. And they moved their milk stout down to the pints, so you can get them there. They also have, as a reminder, the Monster Bash on October 29th. It is still, you still have time to buy tickets. Tickets are $9. You have live music. Uh, it, the The whole thing starts at noon. You have live mu- music at 1, 2.30, 4.30, And it goes on till over past 11 o'clock at night, there are six, or no, pardon me, eight one-of-a-kind beers that they'll have that nobody's heard of, right? Brand new, mm. experimental, that you can enjoy out of their cask cave, along with their hot apple cider, ale, which is supposedly fantastic, and more. You want to make a memory? Go there. And then the day after, or lose some, yes, in my case, <laughs> or not remember, or, or not remember anything. So. Um, and then I think it's the day after the day, or the day after that, they have. Uh, I think it's the thirtieth. They have a Halloween themed um, get together for the kids, starting at noon the next day with costume parties and all sorts of other stuff, right? And it's it's all about they're one of us. They want to make memories for you whether it be family, friends, whatever, enjoy them. They're right across the river in St. Paul. You can't beat them. They sell their beer across the Vikings viewing area. Try them. They are absolutely fantastic. Lake Monster Beer. Hey, you know Dave. I love my beer. I love my whiskey, right? And I love my art. Those are probably the three most important things in my life, besides my family and uh, Lake Monster Beer makes fantastic beer, which Darren can now attest to. 
I can. I've had some of their some of their products, and they were excellent. Now on to theme three. You wanted to talk about this young man, Patrick Jones. We've hit our quick hitters, a portion of the show, David, and yes, Patrick Jones did want to give him a shout out today because um, during the preseason. Uh, when he was playing a lot, uh, as were all the Vikings' backups, uh, because the starters weren't playing at all, uh, I thought that he was looking like a guy that was um, he was developing in a second year after a very quiet rookie year. He was looking, I thought, encouraging. I was seeing encouraging signs. Uh, he was being noticeable in, in those games, uh, creating some pressures. I thought that he might end up being in the new Ed Donatel 3-4 system as a stand-up uh, outside rushing linebacker and rushing the passer with, you know, with, with not his hand no longer in the dirt that he was going to possibly become the, the first, or like he was going to take snaps potentially away from DJ Wanham. Uh, but as the season went on, um, as the games went on, his snap count was dwindling down. He wasn't making much of an impact. Uh, and it was looking like he was going to get lost in the shuffle. Well, last week against Miami, DJ Wanham, he's ruled out because he gets sick a couple of nights before the game. Can't play. Uh, he was a guy. And so Patrick Jones had to take up uh, and was given a bigger, large, much larger role in the defense this week. And um, that was partly because of Wanham getting hurt. Also partly because it was so hot and humid in Miami that the Vikings rolled a lot of guys and, and in the, on the defensive line and the linebackers. So guys didn't get exhausted and dehydrated. Well, Patrick Jones ended up getting his first two sacks of, of his NFL career uh, in that game. He, and he had four pass pressures. So he took advantage of the opportunity. 37 defensive snaps last week, which is twice as much as he's ever had before in a game. And I'm really happy for Patrick Jones because uh, I'm hoping that that kind of performance and the more snaps is gives him the confidence to take his game up to another, another level and that he can start getting a few more snaps in the game than he had been previously, uh, even when DJ Wanham does come back. Uh, because I, I think that, again, when you look at load management and the health of players, if the Vikings can get a few more snaps and effective snaps from a guy like Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham and take a little bit of the load off of Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter, and so that uh, even the, uh, so, and that there isn't a big drop off in performance when mm -hmm. Jones and Wanaman are in the game, and when when Zedaria Smith and and Dan Daniel Hunter aren't in the game, mm -hmm. I think that's going to be going to be important, David, later on in the season, keeping everybody fresh, uh, when hopefully the Vikings are making a push not just for the <laughs> the uh, NFC North title, but maybe even the number one seed in the NFC uh, because the, the, we've got concerns about the Vikings depth, right? right. Uh, we're not really sure about the backups and how, you know, what kind of performance they can give us. So it's going to be huge. It's huge when a guy like Patrick Jones shows up like he did last week against Miami and plays really well. Um, and I hope that that's a sign of things to come for him and maybe a few of the other Vikings backups. Because again, at some point, we're going to have a, a key starter who's going to be out a game or maybe two, and somebody like Patrick Jones might have to get in there and play a starter's role, and we want them to come in there and play effectively, not be a liability. Well, I do believe 
you have DJ Wanham usually backs up Daniel Hunter, and Patrick yeah. Jones usually back, backs up Zadarius Smith. I do believe that when they come in, because they've both been playing well, you're not seeing a humongous drop-off, right? Last year when backups came in, it was like falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. This year when they, when backups come in, you're not seeing that. You're seeing, hey, we're still getting production. They're still getting sacks. They're still getting pressures. And that is absolutely wonderful. And as long as everybody stays healthy, you get to spell Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter when they need it. And you're still not dropping off in pressures. And that this year, I think, is a wonderful thing. (laughs) I wish it was the crates across the board, all positions. But at edge rusher, I think that is – I think – We've caught something that we like. And both, whether it be Wanham or Jones, are young, right? Yes. So we're going to have them for a while. Yes, we can have Zedarius Smith. He's under contract. We can have Hunter. He's under contract. But it's got to be one of the fattest with a PH spots we have. And it's good to see that we're not getting a huge downgrade when they come in. Now, we need to groom them, get them better and better, and then we're going to have to wait until, you know, they come up with their own contracts, etc. And will they replace Zedarius or replace the deal or what it's going to cost to keep them? But we're not there yet. But just the fact that we have them and they're being quality is a good thing. We wish it was the case across the board on the team. But, hey, you only go where you can go, and this is a start, and Quasi's going to work on that after this. But it's a good start. Now, that brings us on to your next quick hitter. Speaking of outside pass rushing linebackers like Zadarius Smith, the Z-man. Um, uh, I think that this free agent addition has worked out pretty nicely for Quasi Adolfo Mensa, uh, David. Uh, some of the other moves he's made, uh, whether particularly on the trades, whether it's trading for Ross Blacklock from the, from the Texans, uh, Jalen Rager from the Eagles, uh, trading down and to the last pick in the first round and getting Lewis seen. None of those moves have really worked out for Quasi Adolfo Mensa yet, yet. But this one, signing Zedaria Smith as a free agent, has definitely worked out. Um, you know, last week against Miami, both he and Daniil Hunter had the kind of performance. They were dominant. They had the kind of performance that uh, I think Viking fans were hoping for when uh, we signed Smith and when we knew Daniil Hunter was going to be healthy and going back and switching to the outside linebacker role in the Donatel 3-4. Uh, Zedaria Smith had two sacks against the, against the Dolphins last week and 11 that's right, 11 pressures. That's a lot. <laughs> but that is a lot. If, but uh, uh, the, the thing about Zadaria Smith is that may, I think it's, may have, it's been getting lost a bit this season so far because the Vikings' defensive performance has not really been uh, – has not been up to 
snuff. It's been a bit disappointing. They've given up gobs and gobs of yards, not points, mind you, but a lot of yardage. Uh, and that's been a point of, of uh, consternation for Vikings fans. But game in and game out, I think Zadarius Smith has been doing what we needed him to do. He's been may- maybe not, a, hasn't created a ton of sacks in some games, but he's been, when the Vikings have been struggling creating pressure, pass pressure on the quarterbacks, he's been the one guy that's been doing it consistently, I think. And uh, and right now, um, even even with the Vikings' struggles rushing the passer, except for last week against Miami, you know, Zadarius Smith has five and a half sacks. That's second in the NFL. He's got 29 pressure, quarterback pressures. That's also second in the NFL. So Zadarius Smith has been everything, has been as advertised for the Vikings so far through six games. Excellent signing. He's been playing very well. Lots of tackles for loss, two on running plays. And uh, the thing that kind of surprises me, Dave, maybe not you, is that even though I've seen him play, particularly when he was with that team from Wisconsin, I kind of was expecting a guy who would be like, you know, uh, he'd be like a on the outside, beat guys with speed or with, you know, he's right. been in the league a long time. So he would use a variety of pass rush moves to, right. to win. Um, but and finesse type moves. Yeah, I get not, uh, but and he's doing that some of the times, but man, this guy wins a lot with power. Uh, if you watch, he like wins consistently with bull rushes. Like he just runs over offensive linemen who are either way the same as him or way more than him. And it's, it's impressive. It's fun to watch. And it's also been very effective for Zadarius Smith. So that's a guy, Hey, um, Got to wanted to give him a shout out because he's been excellent for us so far. Even if a lot of other Viking defensive players have not been. Mm-hmm. John, you asked, what do you think about guys starting the game with five, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, eighty-three on the field? The game while going up tempo. Um, oops, didn't mean to do that. And put a few TDs on the board. Yes, I want the greatest show on turf version two. We talked about that earlier. Yes, we sort of expected that more production. Um but we have what we have so far and we talk down the communication. Communication gets better. I think as they learn everything they will get better. Purple Hayes golf clap. Now Darren you talked about Zedarius and all those great numbers, he is number 11 in PFF amongst edge rushers. That's edge rushers. That's not just outside linebackers. Because you've got to yeah. remember, in the 3-4, not only do they have edge rushing spot responsibility, they have pass coverage responsibility. He is number 11 in edge rushing that is outstanding. He's going to do nothing but get better. And like we said, we have depth. Yay. Um, <laughs> and it's doing well. I love what Cesarius Smith has done so far. Uh, I like that he's best friends with this guy, Daniel Hunter, and that they play off each other. Uh, Laurel and Hardy um, sort of deal. You have. Zadarius is the more gregarious guy. Daniil's the quieter guy, the straight man, but they get along great. Zadarius is doing an absolutely fantastic job. He is obviously a vocal leader 
of this year's Minnesota Vikings defense, and we want to keep it up. Quasi did a great job on this one. Got to hand it to him. Unlike all those other ones, Blacklock, yada, yada, that haven't seen much time. But got to give it to Severius. Big time. So far. And that is it, unless I miss notes. Well, I did want to uh, – the, the only other thing was that uh, one quick hitter was the the talk about – there's been some talk about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, maybe going to the Vikings uh, now because he's uh, he is uh, due to mm-hmm. due to uh, come back from his ACL injury in November, kind of late in the season. But uh, there have been – you know, it hasn't been – I don't know how credible these things are, but it – Different beat writers have mentioned it, uh, and uh, there's a, other, a few other spots where he could be landing too uh, that have been reported, reportedly interested in Odell Beckham Jr., but I, I did want to talk about that because um, when I was thinking about it, uh, it when you look at what the 49ers did this week, they made a they took a big made a big move, took a big shot. We're starting by uh, trading for Christian McCaffrey. Um, some teams now, as we get into like, the middle-ish part of the season, if they think they're contenders, they might be looking to take their shot too and acquire somebody halfway through the season to um, uh, to enhance their mm-hmm. playoff or Super Bowl push. The 49ers have been uh, playing a little bit, um, have not played up to their expectations so far. A lot of that has to do with injuries, I think, and their quarterback situation. But uh that's a really good roster that could make a Super Bowl run if they get healthy. And getting Christian McCaffrey could be a, a huge uh, plus for them. So are the Vikings going to take a shot? Are they going to make a move? Odell Beckham Jr. would certainly qualify as taking a shot and getting a move. I, when I was thinking about it initially, David, I, I wasn't too jazzed about the idea because uh, he can be a volatile personality. The Vikings right now seem to have a good thing going. Team chemistry, uh, you know, it's a kumbaya going five and one helps with that. But if you bring in a new guy like OBJ and he wants the ball, that could kind of mess things up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to cut into the playing time, particularly, I think, of KJ Osborne. Uh, and I don't know with a young guy like that, how that all shake out. But as I thought about it more, I thought, well, okay, uh, sure, there's that risk. But also, you know, we're not getting a lot of explosive production from KJ, KJ Osborne right now. Not getting a lot of explosive production from Adam Thielen. Uh, maybe you add o- Odell Beckham Jr. there. You, I think, even at 30, he, he can be say, effective. But he's up there too. Yeah. And coming off of the, what was the Achilles? Are you sure you're going to get that? Or is he going to be slow? You know, it would be a gamble if the price was right. I'd be willing to try, um, I think. And, and he, last year, he was with the Rams, uh, late season, you know, mid-season edition. He did make an impact there. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons there's connections being made is because oh, Kevin O'Connell was the offensive coordinator at that time, right? So uh, connecting the dots, you, you think he's got a relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. already. Maybe, he can, maybe he'd be interested in bringing OBJ here. And that OBJ would be interested in going to Minnesota because they're talking about 
because we're five and one and we're a contender. So uh, just something I wanted to bring up. I would be supportive of bringing OG, OBJ here, and I don't know how long it would take him to learn the playbook. That would be an issue too. Uh, money has been mentioned below and that we don't have it, but uh, I don't know how much uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is willing to play for uh, for half right. a season either. Sure. So Purple Hayes alluded to OBJ getting a bag of money. That comes from he was talking to a fan down in, I think, in an airport, according to Score North, that directly that he plans to go to either Buffalo or Kansas City, whoever gives them the bag of money. Minnesota was not on that list when he talked to that particular fan. Jonathan uh, reiterated, we don't have the cap space. No, we do not at the particular time. They would have to massage something and you know, convert bonus to or convert whatever guarantee to bonus or however they do it to make room for that. But as of right now, we have less than like $100,000. That's not much. They would have to literally do something. Call out the credit card. Yeah, (laughs) I have mixed feelings whether I want OBJ because of the reasons you stated, you know, Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, I think they're good. I think they can step up if we use them. But they got to be thrown to is the deal. And uh, then you're going to talk about OBJ is going to want to take, because he is, the personality is he wants balls thrown to him. Well, those are balls taken away from whether it be Adam or K.J. that can deal with it or J.J. that is like, you're not going to throw a ball to OBJ when JJ is as equally as open. You're going to throw it to JJ because Justin Jefferson is better. So, sure, but that didn't uh, stop Cooper Cup from catching 200 balls well, last true. year. True, right? yeah, yeah, very true. But I, I don't trust coming off an Achilles injury that usually takes. Even though they can play a year later, it usually takes two years to get better. I don't see it happening, but it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing that's out in the Vikings sphere. So we'll see. Well, what yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of the, the Vikings roster has been very steady the past six months, right? Or six games. Like we haven't had to, there's been no talk about adding anybody or trading anybody. And uh, of course, you know, why, why try to uh, fix what isn't broken? But exactly. uh, so this was kind of the first thing. And, uh, you know, he's a big name. Hey, you know, um, again, gives us something to talk about. I don't think it's happening either, but if it did happen, uh, I'm just saying I wouldn't be opposed to it. Thank you, Tom. I agree with you. Our receivers are getting open, and we expect the receiving game, passing game to get better soon. Uh, that's what we talked about, the communication and the whole thing. We never did get to the offensive line, which is okay. Um, we got next week. We can yes, do that next week, David. Next week. And, uh, but I think that helps the passing as well. We'll do that next week. And until then, what do we say there, there? We always say, Skull Vikings, who aren't going to lose tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Enjoy your Sunday, everybody. No stress on us. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best 
Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.